All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the fourth day of September 2018. I do like to remind you that I'm the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to my letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. Also, like to put in a plug for Chen Lin, his uh, his letter, "What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling?" Especially if you're interested in the biotech sector, Chen really has uh, has done some remarkable work in that area and has made his subscribers a lot of money. Uh, go to chenpicks.com, chenpicks.com to learn more about Chen, and also. Uh, also feel very much obligated in the sense that he's always so helpful to us to plug Michael Oliver's letter, olivermsa.com. Uh, we'll be talking to Michael in just a minute or two here. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel, and for sending along your questions, comments, criticisms, and praises to questions for taylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number for taylor at gmail.com. We do want to thank our sponsors. For making this show economically viable, sponsors for today's show are in resources, Genesis Metals Corp., Great Bear Resources, Klondike Gold, and Novo Resources. I've titled today's show, Understanding This Cancer Called Politics. Richard Mayberry, Peter Talman, and as I mentioned, Michael uh, will be with me in just a minute or so, but those are the guests for today. America and its laws were built on Judeo-Christian values, but now a virus similar to that which led to the bloody French Revolution is spreading across the country like wildfire. It's called liberalism, also known as progressiveness. It traces its beginnings to philosophers like Rousseau, whose ideas led to the bloody French Revolution. Christians were deemed the enemy of the people and beheaded, as, uh, as were those who tried to protect themselves economically by demanding gold in payment for the goods and services that they rendered rather than uh, being destroyed by accepting the French currency it was hyperinflating there, like all, uh, all all fiat currencies ultimately do. They, it's self-destructed, and those that are forced to keep it are hurt very badly. Well, only God knows for sure how these troubled times in America will play out, but in case you haven't noticed, an intellectual venom, very similar, I would say, to that of Rousseau, is spreading like wildfire across American universities and sold by virtually all the mainstream media, with the partial exception, I would say, of Fox, and by virtually all the Democratic Party. Never before in our history has have the freedom and liberties fought for in 1776 been under such attack. At least that's the way I can see it. Those of you who have differences of opinion, again, it's questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. But 
most certainly we are ready, those issues, I believe, those philosophies that are being adapted and sold through our universities are already impacting our lives in so many different ways. Richard Mayberry will help us understand this cancerous political environment in order to help us keep what we regard as the good life, the good things that our forefathers, our our, um, founding fathers willed for us, uh, limited government, ultimate freedom and liberty for the individual, the importance of the individual over the state. Less philosophically but equally important, Peter Talman will update us on Klondike Gold's growing prospects for outlining a major gold deposit in the Yukon. And I'm really glad to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me right now. You don't have to wait more a minute more for Michael. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. Always good to have you with me. Um, we're taking gold. Those uh, gold bugs like myself are taking it on the chin pretty hard today. I saw gold down 10 bucks or so. Uh, it's getting whacked really hard. But if I understand your remarks and your weekend missive, you, you're not surprised, really. Um, on an intermediate-term basis, I think you, you sort of saw a support level in the range of 1190 or 1185. Am I understanding your, your charts correct. correctly? Yeah, yeah. Last week closed $40 off the low. Um, gold's decline has been, while sharp, it, it's been far less than the gold miners and silver. Mm-hmm. Promotion has been packed into those two markets, not so much yeah. into gold. Gold, again, closed, settled last week out 40 full dollars above the low of the week. And it was some need, technically speaking, that I noted in the weekend report that, that we closed at 12, well over 1,200, that we needed to drop back maybe to 1,190 to 1,185 this week. There was a reason for that. Dropped to 1,190, right, and I think it's going to settle the day, the October contract, 1,194. So it's down about six, seven bucks today uh, mm-hmm. from Friday's close. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the gold miners are making marginal new lows above the, below the lows of four weeks ago. This is GDX now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and silver made a, new, a sharp new low under 14. Now, I've looked at the intermediate trend. By intermediate trend, I mean not long term, obviously. I'm talking about trends that tend to last several months once they get going. But there are momentum trend structures in silver and, and in the GDX that say all you have to do to, one, cease the bloodletting, but also reverse this, the beasts, is mm-hmm. to stabilize a bit, because time is a factor, because it allows certain moving averages to come down to the market so that mm-hmm. the momentum readings start to rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, it's, it, it's a combination of both price action and the change in those moving averages that we, that we measure it by. Um, and I, for example, let's say GDX, it's $18 right now. Um, this week, in order to begin to flip it back up, I need to see uh, something like 1927, to be precise, weekly mm-hmm. close. That's, that's asking a lot. It's $1.27 mm-hmm. off the low. Okay. Next week, though, in the upper 18s, so less than a point off mm-hmm. the current value. So if we just merely see it stabilize, and then the next thing you know, you, it's next week, and you're, oh, back up in the upper 18s or something, uh, then watch out, because this thing can flip. And I think that if it, to the extent that it's been overdone, and it certainly has, uh, particularly when you compare it to gold, mm-hmm. um, you know, they look like two different markets almost. Uh, if it's wrong and shouldn't have done this but got overdone, then mm-hmm. when it flips back up, it will flip up viciously, and mm-hmm. you will not see these prices again. In other words, it will hot-foot it out of here. Same, I think, with silver. They both have the same type of structures. All they need to do 
is fumble around and let some time pass, like a week or two, and the numbers come down to them such that it won't take much for them to flip back up and, and get a run going on the upside. And one of the beauties, this is just price comment here, mm-hmm. one of the beauties of a straight down shot move in a market or a straight up move in a market is that the price chart technicians can't figure out where to sell it again. So if silver <laughs> turns up and GDX turns up, the recent drop is a void. There's no mm-hmm. chart reference points where they say, oh, I'm going to sell against this. The chart yeah. reference points they would sell against are way up there. Mm-hmm. So just as it came down quickly in a void, it could turn back up quickly in a void. Uh, and so I'm watching very keenly GDX and silver because I do think that gold is stabilized. It's done some good things. It's got, uh, like, if you close gold uh, back up about 12.07 late this week, which is to say up about six bucks on the week. Uh, it's done some more good things. But once that stabilization has occurred, the ones that have the potential to flip back up most in percentage terms would be GDX and silver, mm-hmm. in part because of the nature of the way they came down. Uh-huh. All right. Well, um, do, you, do you still think, Michael, that in order – do you think that uh, the turn in the, in the precious metals markets is dependent on – a turn downward in the equity market still? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, ultimately, yes, that's going to help them. There's no question about it. Uh, and, and again, the, you know, the, the developed markets and the, the emerging markets and the developed markets were standout. Uh, in fact, we're bizarre. You look at the S&P and go look at Europe. Europe's on the lows of the year. It's been laying mm-hmm. there like a, a dormant, asleep, weak, anemic uh, within you know, a couple percentage points of the lows of the year. And I'm talking the German DAX index, you know, the yeah, core sure. index of Europe. The Euro Stocks 50 index, which is blue chip 50 index of Europe. Uh, these indexes are, they don't even look like us. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're sitting at the 2015 highs, which they're that low. That's, for S&P, it's down about 2,300, I think, uh, if we're sitting on the 2015 highs. So there's, we're <clears throat> completely isolated here in the U.S. in terms of our strength. And if we go, well, let me put it this way, if Europe doesn't hold certain levels and they're barely above them right now, <clears throat> Europe is not telling us we're going down. It's just behaving anemically. But if it breaks those levels, it tells me that Europe says not, uh, we're not holding anymore. We're going down. And if Europe goes down, we'll go down with them. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've got to have a, a, a wide view of what you think the stock market is doing. And mm-hmm. I'm speaking now of the developed economy stock indices, which mm-hmm. would include Japan and Europe and us, uh, because th- there's a lot of disparity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I noticed one thing today, Michael, was that uh, we've got both uh, the T-bond and stocks down. Stocks are not down as, as hard as they were before, but that's usually not the case. Usually when stocks are down, we see a little strength in the T-bond market. Do you make anything of that? Yeah, I've been looking for T-bonds to have a counter-trend rally, and all they've had is a counter-trend bump uh-huh. <laughs> and since the May low. <clears throat> they went from 140 up to 147, T-bond futures. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they keep pulling back down to 144 area, in fact, of 143. So they can't seem to get a, a, a good, sharp rally going. The stock market is not giving them a break to cause the flight to quality. So there's another alternative that the bonds and the T-notes could do. 
that has caused the stock market decline. And that yeah. is by saying, okay, we've been trying to rally since May. We can't get a rally underway, meaning get yields down. Uh, we're going to roll over mm-hmm. and resume the major bear trend in, in bonds, NT notes, meaning a rise in yields. And if this uh, failure that we're getting right now in the T-bonds and T-notes in terms of price, if it continues a bit more, it could turn into uh, a, a new leg down, which means yeah. yields are going back up. That could be a factor that could cause the stock market to uh, right. come off these it's highs a, rapidly. There's some real competition for the equity markets, and uh, you know we've seen it before, but not in a while. I think it would really be... Uh, could be lethal for the equity markets. I noticed just with 30 seconds left here, uh, just looking at your work for the weekend, the uh, your chart on Apple looks pretty strong, though, doesn't it? Well, it it does, but it has it doesn't have much wobble room. In fact, my son Brett prepared that that particular page, and we uh-huh. keep looking at in our reports. We'll we watch the leaders, Apple, Amazon, Google, especially uh, as pivotal stocks that. While they look good, they don't have a lot of breathing room below. Uh, I see. It doesn't, take mm-hmm. a, it doesn't take a 20% drop to do severe damage. It takes, you know, a 5 to 10% drop, which is not mm-hmm. much for those stocks, to yeah. begin to do serious damage. And if they ever begin to come unwound, the market will. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they, they constitute the narrow leadership of the market. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it go with that. That's, uh, that's about it. But we'll keep our eyes on the precious metals markets and the the other major ones that you always fill us in on every week. Thank you so much, Michael, for being with us again. And um, you, we'll look to do it again next week if you're available. So thanks so much. All right, folks. Well, uh, we do have to go to break now. Don't go away. Peter Talman, President and CEO of Klondike Gold Corp., will be with us in a very exciting project they've got going. Still early days, for sure, in that, in that uh, exploration project. But it's got the potential to be very large. I think a very exciting story, so don't go away. We'll be right back with Peter Talman. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon Territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike Gold Rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corp. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Peter Talman. He's the president and CEO of Klondike Gold Corp. Uh, Peter is, uh, has a, a very extensive uh, career as a, an exploration geologist, or 35, over 35 years of experience in Canada, Chile, Mexico, and Australia, and he's been involved in some grassroots discoveries. Three of them, in fact, three mineral deposits, uh, two of which have been mined um, diversely, uh, one at gold, one antimony, and one zinc deposit. So he's had a lot of experience, but right now, um, I don't care a whole lot about those. I don't, I'm not invested in those, but right now I am invested in Klondike. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping to hear what Peter has discovered since we last spoke to him on July 24th. Thanks for joining me again, Peter. <laughs> Yes, thanks, Jay. Thanks for the intro, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, those are great discoveries. You can wear them with pride, and they're a good. They look good on your resume for sure, and rightfully so. But right now, it's Klondike Gold that I'm cheering for because I own a fair number of shares, and I'm. I, I guess a lot of our listeners probably own some too. So, Peter, we la- you were last on the show on July 24th, and you noted that Klondike was in the process of completing a number of surface. Geological programs like airborne, like an airborne survey, soil sampling, sampling, lithological and structural mapping, etc. I'm assuming that work has been completed now, and if so, what geological insights have you gained that will help you uh, reach your first goal, which is to outline a million ounces of gold? I think that's what you told me the last time. That's really what you're first and foremost to get that the number up there, where the big boys will start to take uh, pay some attention, but then. Later on, fill in the spaces and learn to know more about your grades and continuity, etc. But what have you learned since we last spoke, and, and what have some of these surface geological exercises taught you? Um, uh, a lot, in one word. Uh, basically, all of those programs finished by mid-late August, and so we're still really going through the details. But from an airborne point of view, I think maybe your listeners will remember we were conceptually thinking that there was a, a major structure of some sort that ran the 60-kilometer-long yeah. length of the district. In the magnetics, we can see that. Not well, not nearly as well as I had hoped to image, but it's there. Uh, in the soils that we've just completed, definitely you can see that line that you can see in the airborne, we see it in anomalous soils all the way along the 60-kilometer length. So we have a, a number of brand-new targets that have never never really been identified previously. And funnily enough, they're all associated with, with placer creeks. So on, they're on the hills above these productive creeks. <laughs> um, you know, it, the, 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 the whole narrative that we started with is being borne out at least or supported by the work that we've just completed. We've also done lithologic mapping, which we now know the distribution of the units throughout the belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've done, more importantly, I think, structural mapping, and that's led us to identify a particular structural event that hosts the gold uh, within all that package. And so we're, I don't know, we're light years ahead of where we were even 
at the end, uh, but you know, like early July. Mm-hmm. Well, when we spoke in July, you had, uh, I think, at that point in time, received uh, only seven uh, assays. Uh, seven holes were assayed out of forty-four. Your forty-four hole drill program. Now you're going to be expanding on that because, as I understand it, you've had a very successful drill program this summer, and I want you to talk about that a little later. But um, have you gotten back most of those, uh, the rest of those assays from that 44-hole program? And if so, uh, what have they taught you? Uh, Actually, we haven't got them back yet. We have bits and pieces now, and really over the last week, they're starting to accelerate. The lab has been uh, blocked Everybody now is doing the same, uh, using the same assay procedure that we are doing, yeah. which basically means it's a triple, uh, three different assays to get one number. Oh, okay. Um, and it takes quite a lot of time. Um, however, so the, the things that we have got have been extremely, uh, I don't know, positive in that the nugget reassays, or we did infill drilling looking for disseminated gold that places other than Lone Star, and remembering that the kind of the identification of disseminated gold, which is broad, uh, broad uh, gold uh, disseminated over broad widths, it's relatively lower grade, but that's perfect for open pitting. Conceptually, uh, we tried to look at that at the nugget zone. We'd identified it first at Lone Star, which is where we've been drilling primarily. Now we're drilling at a lug- nugget, and you know, we had a, a Really nice news release, a gram over 58 or 60 meters, mm-hmm. um, two and a half grams over 25 meters. Um, there were four or five holes we got back, which we had announced that all had similar results. Um, and that extended the nugget zone from a couple hundred meters now to about a kilometer and a half uh, to two kilometers. And the, the drilling we've done visually... Now, over that, we've drilled about 20 holes along that trend now. Um, They all have visually hit mineralization that we now associate with this disseminated plus vein style. And uh, we're really positive about that. And really, that was the the initial identification of broad zones that disseminated at gold at Nugget was what led Mm -hmm. us to just jump and go bring a second drill in. Yeah. Well, that's uh, obviously a big breakthrough there because it's uh, for the first time in, in uh, like 120 years you guys have discovered that there's disseminated gold there. Before that, it was always the targets on the uh, on the on the high grade uh, quartz veins where you'd see, I guess, a lot of nuggety gold there, right? I well, all, statistically, all our gold is visible, uh, and that's mm-hmm. really that's the result that's come out of the assay method we're using, the screen for metallics, okay. where you, you, you crush the rock and put it all just on a, a screen, like a window screen, and all the gold sits on top. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's visible gold. 92% of our gold is visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's coming out of the disseminated zones as well as the quartz veins. Um, but so as a result, functionally as a result of what we've done now, we can really explain... The placer gold in the creeks, um, Bonanza Creek, is coming from Lone Star. And now in El Dorado Creek, definitely a good portion of the gold is coming from this nugget zone as we've kind of, as we're drilling it off. And just more recently, 
we've made a, another prospecting discovery, and again, this is on the back of the structural mapping of mm-hmm. a zone of gold that runs basically right down El Dorado Creek as well. We're drilling that today, um, but that's a like three-kilometer-long zone of quartz veins with, with gold in it that have been sitting on the road, the El Dorado Road, for 100 years and have been unrecognized effectively. Um, and we, we see that that also is a major contributor to the El Dorado Creek gold. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, the, we're identifying sources to explain why all the gold is in the creeks, mm-hmm. and literally it's because the gold is being eroded directly from the rocks around them. So uh, we don't see we have to go very far. We don't have to invoke a large travel. We just go find where a placer miner is being successful and go uphill. That's <laughs> Well, it's, a, it's, it's not as if it's all been eroded away, though, as you've explained to me earlier. I think the orogenic uh, nature, the, the geological uh, model that you're following would suggest there's a great deal of, of depth uh, to these. But you're, you really have so much to explore um, laterally right now, so I guess you're not concerned about much in terms of depth right now. But, but let me ask you, Peter, when do you expect the rest of those holes? When might you finally... When might investors expect to see some results out of the rest of those 44 holes? Um, Well, in point of fact, we're now up to somewhere around uh, 70 to 80 holes still to come. Um, Yeah. And they'll be starting soon. Um, I do have some now, and so I've been out out in the field working this past Mm -hmm. weekend, and Mm -hmm. so I have a bunch that have come in over the last week, as I said, so I'll be... Well, we'll all be compiling them and getting them out. Hopefully, the beginning of well later this week or early next week would be the start. Excellent, excellent. But, well, but those, I think yeah. that it's going to take until January to clear the backlog at the lab, and to, so these will be cycling through until then. Um, on the uh, let's see, you on the fourteenth on August fourteenth, you announced plans to expand your drill program. Now, you know, I think you, you indicated there's seventy to eighty holes yet to come. You had uh, when we talked to you in July, you had seven hole, you had assays from seven holes of forty four. So it looks like you're going to have assays coming out uh, all the way up through the end of the year, perhaps. Yeah, that you'll be reporting. Right. Well, so when we when we talked last, we we just kind of completed 40 holes for the, for the season. Uh-huh. We added a second drill, and each drill on a shift can drill 20 holes. So we just added another 40 to, or so drill holes um, in terms of time, and we really haven't received those assays. They're still they're, they're going through them. So we, we're somewhere around 70 holes to come, plus mm-hmm. all the infill assays that we've been doing from holes in the previous years. So there's there's a backlog of drill core assays and intervals. About half of them are co- going to come from Lone Star. The another two thirds will, or uh, a third will come from Nugget, and uh, a, a third will come from. Uh, that doesn't add up in fractions, but anyway, some will come from uh, the El Dorado faults around Nel- Nugget Gulch, or sorry, uh, French Gulch. Okay, New excellent. We're going to have a yeah. lot of new stuff coming. New stuff. Well, you, we talked to you, the last time you were on the show, you talked about a wildcat target, the gold run. I, anything more to do with that? I have the well, assays for that now. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, so we'll be waiting so for that you'll, you'll, maybe later you'll this week. You'll be seeing that next. Um, okay. All in, right. in general, I'll say, I mean, we saw visible gold 
uh, in the drill core. However, and the question was always, did the alteration around the the little quartz veins run? Um, it doesn't look like much uh, did. Uh, but we, when we soiled regional soil, we have a big soil anomaly at Gold Run, and it's not where we were drilling. Um, so there you go. Okay, well, we'll wait and see, but I think uh, we could be um, privy to a lot of uh, very interesting and p- potentially very important news coming out over the next several weeks, I guess, huh? all the way through to the end of the year. And then when do you think that you'll have your final, you know, pull everything together, all the stuff that you've learned because you won't be doing much up there in the wintertime, I gather. You'll be probably looking at all the data you've gathered through this extensive program. And then at some point, you'll probably write a big summary of what you've learned this year. And when might we expect that? Uh, late January to end of February. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, March is usually our, you know, the first week of March is the budget for the year and what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's a process going all the way through. I, I'm I'm a bit vague on some of the details now because we've just had a dump of all the regional sure. data and we're still trying to figure it out. But that's sure. led us to it's been positive and it's even with the prospecting we found zones of gold with prospecting based on these structural ideas that means that we're we're on to stuff. So. Um, yeah, the news release for the compendium, probably late February, uh, early March is the, the plans for the new year in terms of budget and targets. Um, and I, I think there's going to be more targets this coming year than what we started with last year, or this this year, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, I would, I would ask, expect You so. ask another question, or you made a comment about, you know, yeah. trying to look for a million ounces in terms of a target. Yes, yes. And, and we have announced... Lone Star conceptually has, uh, you know, the characteristics, length, and width that it could possibly have that. Um, and I would add now, based on what we've seen and learned this year, that Nugget, that Nugget fault trend uh, has at least that potential. It seems like the grades along the Nugget fault are a little bit higher than they are at Lone Star. And at least in outcrop, and this is from prospecting as well as from where we've drilled, it has, it's a longer trend. We have it in outcrop over nearly three kilometers uh, now. And then finally, El Dorado, uh, despite the fact that we have limited data on that, uh, we've been able to follow it along for also three kilometers or so. Um, and so I think that could develop into conceptually another fairly significant target. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's, so it's just a matter. It's a matter of doing the uh, doing the work, and it, it takes a little time. And I, as I understand it, you have enough money to carry you through this year, right? You're not going to have to raise any more money in 2018. Uh, not at all. Um, not at all. We did accelerate because we've accelerated the drilling. We're spending a little bit more than we budgeted, so we budgeted two and a half million, and we'll probably have spent three to three and a half million. But we started the year with six and a half million in the bank and I promised mm-hmm. everyone that we would have a two and a half million dollar minimum program in 2019 and we will have that with the money that we still have. Wow, good. Very good news. So well, we uh, expect that uh, some good drill results will come out. Hopefully it start to uh, give a picture of some continuity anyway that the markets will start to look favorably 
uh, it's all about the science, though, Peter. I know you're a straight shooter, and uh, you know you you tell it like it is. And, and when things aren't favorable, you let people know that as well. I think it's important for people to know uh, that uh, when they're dealing with somebody that's honest and has integrity in this business, because it's the kind of business where there's there's room for speculation or mis misleading people. And I know you're not. You're not that kind of a guy. At least I haven't seen any anything to do with you that's like that. So I thank you for for all of your hard work um, and uh, what you're doing there. Any one last word, perhaps? Anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I, I thank you for that. Just that one last comment. If I thought that this was bad or had poor prospectivity, I'd rather go off and do something different where. You can find things with uh, and have a lot more fun. And so far, this has turned out. I think it's exceeded my expectation. This entire project, um, and so I think there's a lot more to learn, and it's super challenging. But there's a lot of gold in the ground there to find. A lot of gold in the ground yet to be found, and then to delineate and tell us and, and quantify how much is there. That's what we're really looking for. But we know it takes a lot of time and hard work. Peter, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we'll look to do it again when you have some some more significant news. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, uh, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Richard Mayberry will be with me, and we're going to talk about understanding this cancer called politics. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Richard Mayberry. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Nobo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold Project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Nobo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am really pleased to have Richard Mayberry with me once again, and he is the uh, the author 
of the early warning report. Um, it is Richard Mayberry's U.S. and World Earning uh, Early Warning Report. Richard J. Mayberry's U.S. and World Earning Early Warning Report. Um, it is a, a it's a mouthful, but it's a it's a letter that really is very very valuable. I mean, I have trouble reading in my old age, I guess, but. Uh, anyway, I will just call it the early warning report. Uh, in addition, though, Rick has written a bunch of uh, several books, all of which I have copies of here in my library. Um, you know, I'd say that um, those books are books like the, the Thousand Year War, the history history books, uh, and, and uh, books on economics, basic primers to help you understand the world as it really works uh, on law and history, and from a libertarian perspective. Uh, and those books really provide a great deal of insight, I think, into um, you know why we're in, in the process of losing so many of the freedoms and liberties that our founders won for us back in 1776 by taking the country away from King George. And unfortunately, much of this, uh, much as the uh, the ancient Israelites in the Old Testament, they insisted on having a king. They wanted to have a king, like every other country had a king, and they were warned by the prophets that how. They're going to lose all their liberties, and pretty soon they're going to have to pay a lot of taxes, and they're going to have to uh, bow to the uh, to the emperor, to the king. And sure enough, that's what happened. Well, it seems as though in America now, we maybe don't think of them as a king, but we're looking for big government. More and more people looking for big government to take care of all of our material needs, so we don't have to worry about anything. But in fact, uh, there is quite a cost that goes with that, and uh, nobody's more aware of that than. Rick Mayberry. Thanks for joining me again, Rick. Well, thank you, Jay. It's good to be here, and thank you for doing the job you do. Very many, there are not very many people who uh, are willing to tell the other side of the story. Um, you know, we're we're just bombarded with this statist viewpoint um, that we get from the mainstream press, and especially from the schools. Um, most of the schools are government owned, and so. Mm-hmm. They teach the kids that the solution to every problem is more government. And everybody comes out of school pretty much. You know, a few of us fall through the cracks, but most kids come out of school thinking that the government is just the answer to all problems. And uh, as you mentioned, the the American founders, um, they understood that government, in the words of Ronald Reagan, you know, Reagan came right out and said it, government isn't the solution, it's the problem. Right. Most of our problems are from politics, from government. Yeah. So, um, in your September letter, and this is, I found this was really, really interesting. You you spoke about the cancer of politics, hence the name of our show this week. And you stated in your letter that the the mission of your newsletter is to help subscribers cope with this cancer of politics. Could you describe? Uh, what you mean by the cancer of politics, I think you probably just in your opening remarks kind of touched on it, but maybe elaborate a bit more about how much damage um, politicians are doing. And, and I guess maybe some of the onus is on us, though, isn't it? We're, we're the ones that are voting for these guys. We seem to uh, just accept whatever the uh, universities teach us without thinking or doing much thinking on our own, right? Too many people, anyway. Well... That's you know I mean I I I can see you know why why that assumption would arise that it's our fault but of course that's what we're taught in school is that if, yeah. if it's something wrong if something's wrong it's because we we voted for the wrong guy yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't have much choice. Thing, uh, the, 
they're they're yeah, both the I mean, wrong what, guys. What, what choice do you get when you yeah. you know when you go to the polls? You got you got uh, a Democratic power junkie and a Republican power junkie, and you're supposed to choose between these two power junkies. Well. What are you going to get in office? A power junkie. Whichever way you go, it's going to be somebody who wants that power, who wants the privilege of making sure that other people live according to the rules that he believes in. So it's a, it's a hopeless thing, you know. Um, uh, for one thing, you come out of school with this ridiculous view of government being your friend and, and the solution to your problems. Yeah. As I was going to say, nobody back when the American Constitution was being created believed that. They all understood that political power corrupts the morals and the judgment. Uh, that was very well understood at that time. And, the, and, and that generation of Americans did more research on what government really is and how it really behaves than anybody before or since. And, and, and I urge everybody, you know, read the original writings of people like Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, Patrick Henry, and hear what they were saying about political power. And what they were saying is it corrupts the morals and the judgment. And, and I would like to emphasize the judgment. As soon as you're in office and you've got that ability to meddle in other people's lives, that corrupts your judgment. And you start doing stupid things, which is why governments all over the world have always had this reputation for being stupid. Um, they do amazingly dumb things. And the investor has to understand that, that this thing is wired to do the wrong thing, um, even in, in a country that has majority rule. A majority rule is mob rule. We've all thought of that. You've, always, you've met many, many people in your life who you know, were, were pretty close to brainless, and they can vote, and they can outvote yeah, you. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and, and that's the way it is. You, you cannot have um, any kind of freedom if the majority can vote to take away your rights, which is what they do. Um, they are offered this, this you know, wonderful thing that will, this government that will take care of them and will make sure that they are not going to run into any hardships or any high risks. And, and they want that, and they vote for it. And uh, then, you know, the, what they're actually voting for is somebody who wants that power to meddle in your life. And that's on both sides, the Democrats and Republicans, the same thing. And the American founders understood that. And you can see it in the Constitution. And people are taught to see the Constitution as... Uh, some sort of a, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a special document that um, embodies our rights and is the, the heart and soul of America. But read the, the Constitution. You can do it. It's in the back of a lot of dictionaries or it's online. Read it and ask yourself as you're reading. Now, if I was running a private organization like a business or a church or a charity or a... Uh, a fraternal organization, any sort of private company, and I had to operate according to this, these rules, mm -hmm. would I be able to accomplish anything at all? And the answer is no. I mean, yeah, the, the 
Constitution lays out a system for governing that is so convoluted, so screwed up in so many ways, that it, if you understand that it is deliberately that way, yes, the, yes. The, the so-called checks and balances that the American founders built in there were designed to prevent the government from doing anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Rick, they, you know, you often, uh, Rick, oftentimes you hear the uh, the arguments, especially from the liberals, that that's why they sort of worship and like the idea of the communist system or the, the Chinese system, because there you don't have to go through all, you don't have to deal with all these crazy Republicans that don't agree with you. You don't have to agree. You could just simply have one guy dictate that things get done, right? And a lot of people right. really sort of like that in America. They think that's what's appealing about communist China, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this assumption that there are these geniuses in the world who know what's best for everybody. And if we just put these geniuses in power, then they'll make everything good for all of us. And it's ridiculous. The only people you get who want to be in power are people who want power, who want the ability to meddle in your life personally. They think they know what's best for you, and they're the ones that run for office. So um, it's, uh, again, getting back to the American founders, Mm -hmm. if you tried to run any private organization according to the rules laid out in the Constitution, you would never get anything done. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly the objective of the founders. They knew that they didn't have a choice to have no government because if they didn't set up one, somebody else would. So there's going to be a government. And their answer to that was, okay, we'll set one up and we'll cripple it. It will Mm -hmm. fill the power vacuum so that there is a government, but it won't be able to hurt anybody. And and they were they came very close to be to having the perfect solution there. Um, for maybe eighty years, things worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And but then you know, along comes the Civil War, and uh, the federal gro- government grows immensely powerful, and it's been downhill ever since. Uh, every time you turn around, they're taking away more of our liberties, mm-hmm. and um, we're in the mess that we're in today, where. Um, you know, you have to have some guy in power like Trump who is um, willing to use all of the power of the Oval Office to try to undo the taxes and the regulations, you know, for which he should really be patted on the back a lot. I, I think, um, you know, he's, he's really done a great job on the taxes and the regulations. Not mm-hmm. enough, but, but sure moved us in the right direction. But unfortunately, what you get when you, you give all that power to one man is that he, he doesn't understand everything that he ought to, and mm-hmm. he's got the ability to really screw things up very badly, too, mm-hmm. which I think is what's going on. He, he's mm-hmm. very good at, at the um, domestic uh, issues, the domestic economic issues, like taxes and regulations, but on international trade and the more complicated things mm-hmm. and uh, geopolitics, military affairs, oh, man. I mean, he's yeah. uh, really got me scared. Well, he, he, yes, and uh, in the limited amount of time we have, Rick, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that. You started also your September letter out by saying, mm-hmm. uh, as I write this, I feel as if I've been transported back to the months before 1929's Black Thursday and 1941's attack on Pearl Harbor, both at the same time. 
Wow. Well, that's all I can say is wow to that. I mean, that's uh, that's scary. <laughs> but you were just saying, and 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 honestly, as I think about it, I think you know, I. I mean, yeah, I said wow, because most people don't believe it. Now, there's their four hundred one ks are going up. Uh, the stock market's going up. Trump, of course, like all politicians, tries to fudge the numbers to make things look like the economy is better than it really is. Both both sides do that. Uh, you know, this isn't the greatest economy we've ever had, unlike uh, Trump would like us to believe. But um, elaborate a little bit. I mean, how scary is it? And then most importantly, Rick, what should people be doing now to protect themselves against what might be heading our way? And and let us know what you think might be heading our way. One of the things I think you hinted at in your letter this month was the idea of inflation, because you noticed that we're seeing the monetary velocity rise a bit, and maybe you can talk about that as well. But um, what should people be doing now? Because I think most people say, well, I've got this pension fund over here. I've got my 401k. I don't have any debts. I mean, that's not true of a lot of people. I'm talking about people that a lot of people that I know mm-hmm. that are middle, still middle class, maybe upper middle class people uh, that are that are relatively well off now. And they're thinking... I'm pretty. I'm. I'm in pretty good shape. I'm ready to retire. I've got a nice. Uh, I've got a nice amount of money coming in from Social Security. Medicare is taken care of, and all that. Um, talk to us about why that might okay. not be such a great idea to rest easy right now. Um, okay. Uh, first off, as far as uh, feeling like I'm back there in 1928, 29. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know economic history. Uh, 29 was the great stock market crash, which then kicked off the Great Depression. If you look at 1928, year before that, um, things looked wonderful. Man, yeah. you know, we were in the warring, the roaring 20s. You know, everything was beautiful, and then just 12 months later, it all fell apart. Um, and I think that's a very well. What caused that back then? The main thing that caused that was trade restrictions. Tariffs. Um, there was a trade war going on. It had been started by the U.S. government, and it just spread around the world and just collapsed the whole world economy. The Great Depression was worldwide, and it was caused by those U.S. tariffs. Now, mm-hmm. that's one part of it. And the other part, the, the um, remark Pearl about the Pearl Harbor, um, <clears throat> There is a tremendous buildup in the cyber warfare industry that's almost completely ignored by the mainstream press so far. Um, they And this is around the world. Governments all over the place are beginning to realize that the uh, cyber war um, attacks that are going on are, are getting very serious, they're spreading fast. Governments, in their attempt to hurt each other, have turned the internet into a battleground and it's just like omaha beach in 1944 except that it's not um you know tanks and and ships and all it's being done on the internet the internet is the battleground and um i think they are on the verge of collapsing the internet from them attacking each other over the internet turning it into a battlefield Nobody's paying any attention to this, but that does lead me to the answer to uh, your question. You know, what's one of the main things you can do to protect yourself, and that is invest in this cyber war. 
Um, in the September issue of Early Warning Report, I, I give eight stocks that I recommend that I think are just going to go crazy because um, they are cyber war stocks. Uh, companies um, that uh, one of them is CACI, um, and that's also its symbol, CACI. A very good firm. It's a cyber warfare firm. It's one of the biggest and oldest, and uh, I think that's going to be a really great speculation. I think that um, it's extremely likely within three years that will rise tenfold because of this war that these governments are developing. And then there are seven other stocks in that September issue, too. Uh, can't get into them right now, but... Um, Geometry. Well, nor, 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 nor should you, and I, I should uh, tell people that uh, your your letter is very inexpensive, and people should definitely uh, go to Richard Mayberry. The, the website, uh, just to make sure, it's, um, uh, geez, I should always have this in front of me. Tell us. Well, uh, early it. Warning Report, earlywarningreport.com, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, 800 number is 800 509 Five four zero zero. Again, that's eight hundred five zero nine five four zero zero. Okay, so we have a couple of minutes here. My engineer tells me we have three minutes left. Rick, you uh, you are big on on inflation protection uh, in the form of precious metals and various tangible assets that you want to buy. But I think in your letter mm-hmm. you suggested that people shouldn't. Put everything they have into those into those assets. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your investment philosophy and some of the ways you just you just talked about cyber warfare stocks. I know that defense, so-called defense stocks, have been a big part of your portfolio over the years. But with two minutes left to go, talk to us a little bit about your investment philosophy and uh, how you think people should uh, more or less put their portfolios together. I think um, you should have at least 10% in uh, what I call endurables. Those are investments that tend to endure regardless of how much damage governments do their currencies. And um, those are primarily gold, silver, platinum, palladium, and um, real estate would be one, uh, raw materials. Um, these sorts of things tend to rise when governments are destroying their currencies. And trade wars tend to lead to currency wars. And you can see that with the fall of the Japanese, or I'm sorry, Chinese yuan right now. Um, it's, going in, it's been going in the tank for months. I think that's the beginning of a currency war, which will benefit gold and the other endurables um, very much. But I don't think you'd need to put more than um, 20 to 30% in your uh, of your uh, financial assets in in these sorts of things because we don't really know what's going to happen and we do know that most of the population has lost interest in these kinds of investments so those mm-hmm. investments are down a lot and um, this is a buying opportunity so um, when the day comes when the mob starts to stampede into these things they will rise so much that they will cover any losses you take in anything else. So, you know, put at least 10%, not more than 30% in the endurables, and then, um, you know, when the big bad times happen and the currencies are are all falling like crazy, you'll make so much money on those that it'll cover everything else. And 
that way, you know, if you take that attitude, then you can just sit on those assets for as long as you need to, earning income from more traditional assets like, you know, stocks, uh, stocks and bonds, whatever Okay, else. Rick. Rick, we're going to have to leave it go at that. We're out of time. Thank you so much for being with us. It's always uh, very insightful. We'll look to do it again sometime in the near future. Folks, uh, that's all the time we have this week. Next week, Jeff Dice of the Mises Institute. Ivan Bebek of Aran and hopefully Michael Oliver will be with us as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bonterra Resources, an advanced exploration company, is aggressively expanding its high-grade Gladiator gold deposit in Quebec, Canada. Over the last 12 months, Bonterra has raised over $60 million and has attracted strategic investors Eric Sprott, Kirkland Lake Gold, and New York-based Vanek Gold Fund. Bonterra is focused on updating its 43-101 resource in the second half of 2018 and will incorporate up to an additional 100,000 meters of drilling, where the dimensions of the Gladiator deposit have been expanded to date nearly 500%. Bonterra trades in Canada under the symbol BTR and in the U.S. under the symbol BONXF. Often referred to as one of the best teams in junior gold exploration, having discovered a 5 million ounce gold mine and sold a second company amidst discovery, the management behind Orin Resources now has a world-class exploration portfolio within Canada and Peru. Projects that give the company one of the largest direct pipelines for major discoveries globally, with one of the deepest technical teams to explore them. Entering into its third year of aggressive pursuit, Orin is expecting results from two of their major projects throughout the rest of this year. For the latest, head to orinresources.com and subscribe.